One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options. It's amazing how many unintelligent people look. They're absolutely astonished at it. What is the matter with these people? We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yep, we got more fight game heroes on the north side of the city. More teenage Fight game heroes. More of that uh, later on this morning. Themed weddings. <laughs> we got the weirdest, I mean the weirdest message about themed weddings. You've heard of the Rat Pack themed weddings and these black tie weddings and weddings where everybody wears red or something like that. We got the weirdest one of all time. And I'm not even sure how you'd ap- approach this. That's coming in in a little while. Um, good morning, 0818 96, 96, 96 the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. That's also the place to send your voicemails for anything that's on your mind. And email opinion at 96fm.ie. Starting this morning with something we've talked about many, many, many times on the programme, both the legal form, which you can buy over the counter, in this country and the one that is still technically illegal here unless you can get a special license from the government. I speak of course of medicinal cannabis and Alicia Maher joins me. Alicia, you've flown home from, you're from Cork, flown home though from where you live in Spain to be at the Dáil today or at the Department of Health for a protest. Good morning. Good morning PJ, how are you? Good, good, good. Now first of all you, I read your your story this morning. You have had an incredible bad run of luck with your health, which leaves you in in chronic pain. Yeah, exactly. I've been in chronic pain now since two thousand and six. Right. Um, it just followed a bad series of complications after surgery. Um, yeah, that's how long I've had it now. Right, and you moved to Alicante in 2019 purely because you can access medicinal cannabis there is that right 
Exactly. So my doctor in Cork and my pain consultant, they can actually prescribe cannabis for my chronic pain in Ireland. But when I got the ministerial license and went to get the prescription, I found out that it wasn't covered on the medical card. And they said that it costs over a thousand euro per month um, oh to get it here and yeah. Now, my previous prescription, when I was taking all the painkillers, because at one stage I was taking 900 painkillers a month, that was all covered on the medical card. But just as soon as I switched to cannabis, it wasn't covered anymore. And Alicia, is it the CBD or the THC that you need to take? It's the THC that I'm prescribed. So it's in the bud form um, and I grind it up and I vape it and it's 20% THC that works for the, for the pain. I see, because I know that in Spain you can get much stronger CBD, for example, than you can get here in Ireland, but you, you still need the THC element. Yeah, I need the THC. So the price of it in Spain, it's 200 a month. Okay. Um, as opposed to 1,000 a month here. Wow. That's, 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 that's a crazy difference. So you've flown home to join this demonstration at the department today. Yeah, so it's outside the Department of Health. So the demonstration is organised by Patients for Safe Access Ireland. So we're just calling on the government to increase access to medical cannabis for people that need it. Um, at the moment, it's a consultant-led programme, yeah. um, which means that people are waiting on waiting lists for years and we want it to be GP-led. Um, so... We want it to be GP-led, increased access for conditions such as chronic pain and other conditions where there's evidence. Um, they also need to broaden the range of products that are available because currently under the Medical Cannabis Access Programme, it's just CBD products, Yes. Um, which which wouldn't work for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, just compare and contrast, like when you need your, your medication there in Spain, how do you go about it? You just get a new prescription from the doctor, is that it? Yep, I just get a prescription from the doctor and they send it down to me and they post it down every month. Okay, okay. So you, you, so you, don't, really even have, you don't even have to go to a to a pharmacy, no? No, you don't have to, no. They accepted, because I got stuck there during COVID, they accepted my doctor's prescription from Ireland. Um, it was just on a compassionate basis, but okay. they, they know that the cannabis works for me, yeah. Oh, so... You're getting it on your Irish prescription. What? Yeah, well, technically, it's not they're not supposed to accept it, but they did because of did. the situation yes. when yeah in, when COVID came. Yeah, I see, I see, and it cost you what two hundred two hundred a month over there two hundred a month. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. And the difference between not having it and having it. Explain. Day to day. I mean, it was a series of unfortunate events, one after the other. Go into as much or as little detail as you wish. But like you said, it's left you in, in chronic pain. So what happened was I initially only went to have my tonsils removed um, when I was 17. And I had really bad complications, which left me with a colostomy bag on my stomach. Now, that was supposed to be removed five years afterwards. And I went in to have all the tests done and they found that I had precancerous cells in my rectum, which meant that I couldn't have the surgery then to reverse the bag. So after that surgery, the bag became permanent, but I contracted MRSA and also my coccyx bone was broken in the process. So I have nerve pain. I have pain from the broken coccyx bone. And without cannabis, the difference is just, it's incredible. So I was taking 900 tablets a month and I could not function at all. Just and, all and different what kind of things were you taking, Alicia? 
I was taking Tramadol, Amitriptyline, Lyrica, Pilexia. So it was like 10 tablets three times a day. Um, I also had to wear patches on my leg for the pain, for the sciatica. And I had procedures on my back every four months. If now, you don't mind, my, if you don't mind my saying so, and yeah. I don't wish to speak out of turn here, but taking all those tablets, you must have been like a zombie half the time. Oh, I was. I couldn't function at all. Like for the best part of two years, I lived on the couch. I couldn't even, there was no point in leaving the house because after I took 10 tablets, within half an hour, I'd get sleepy again. So I was just sleeping my life away on the tablets, to be honest. And the difference between taking all of those then and, and take, remind me again, you vape the THC. I vape the THC. Uh, so it's heated in a, in a, it's like an electronic device. Yeah. And you just inhale it. And yeah. you carry it with you and you use it as you need it, correct? Exactly. So I'd use it every two, two to three hours, really. Right. Right, and, and the difference it's replaced in life, all the medication. Oh, completely different. I, I can exercise now and I can go out and do all the things that I haven't done. I no longer take any pain medication. I haven't been to the hospital since 2019. I haven't had a single procedure on my back. It works so brilliantly and I don't have any side effects from the cannabis that I did have from the medication. It just gently eases the pain um, and I, I need very little of it as well. Yeah, you just need enough. Yeah. yeah, exactly. May, may, may I inquire as to what age you are, Alicia? I'm 37 now. You're a very young woman. You, you deserve to be able to live pain-free with, with, with such, a, such an effective drug like that. Now, yeah. you can get it here, but you can't afford it here. And that's what this campaign's about. That's what it's about. Um, not just that, it's just... So it's so difficult to get it for other conditions such as chronic pain. There's a huge reluctance on the part of consultants to prescribe it at the moment. And we, we'd like increased education for the doctors as well because they don't actually study it. You know, They don't study cannabis for medical use. So There's we're just trying to increase awareness today. There's also a very, very short list of what it can be prescribed for. There are. There's only three very limited circumstances. So if you have intractable epilepsy and you've tried five different medications, if you've nausea and vomiting associated with chemotherapy, or if you have spasticity associated with MS. So for people that have chronic pain associated with MS, they can't get it if they don't have spasticity. So we're just trying to bring awareness to all those issues. How did you qualify? Um, I qualified not under the Medical Cannabis Access Programme. My doctor has a special ministerial licence. I see, I see. So, because yeah. we were just so there's two programs to, at the moment. Yeah, because you, you, your, your, your ailment, as it were, doesn't come under the three headings. But you were able to get a special license, correct? Exactly. So there's two programs. The first one with the three conditions is called the Medical Cannabis Access Program, okay. and the way that I went down it is a ministerial license. So people can get it for chronic pain under the ministerial license, but they have to pay in full for it. I see. That explains it. Explains yeah. it really well because really, I was just a little confused uh, reading about it. Um, so, a thousand euro a month—that—that's unsustainable. And, and it's oh, not—it's not covered under the—it's not covered under the treatment scheme. So, like, if I—I I have a few bits and pieces I take per month. If I go over a hundred and something euro, the rest is free. It's not covered that way either. It's not covered under the drugs payment scheme either. No. So that's ridiculous. So, yeah, so that's what we're trying to change. We're trying to get chronic pain moved on to the Medical Cannabis Access Programme so that it'll be covered um, just like it is for all the people on the programme at the moment. Yeah, yeah. 
instead of having two separate programs running at the same time and one of them just doesn't work at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I assume you have a supply with you that you can keep yourself going. I do. My mom had to get it illegally for me off the street. And I mean, it's just ridiculous when I have a prescription, you know. So yeah. you couldn't bring it home with you? No. Um, I can't bring it from Spain to Ireland. That's even ridiculous, like. It is. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's being legally dispensed to you in Spain. And you cannot bring it over here to use while you're visiting for a number of days. No. And I just have to go and buy it off the streets, just like many, many people are doing now to treat their chronic pain, you know. And it's just not safe. You don't know what's in it. Um, That's the reason we moved to Spain in the first place, because... I tried it and sometimes the cannabis was fine and other times you could tell by looking at it that it wasn't right at all. And my husband was saying, Aisha, it's not safe to keep buying it from dealers on the street. Like we're going to have to go somewhere where you can get it dispensed properly. Um, this, this is, I don't surprise easily, Alicia, but you've just surprised me. So that to come home to Cork for a couple of days so you can take part in this event, you've had to source cannabis on the street because you cannot bring your legally prescribed cannabis home with you. That's right. That's exactly it. It's absolutely ridiculous. You couldn't make that up. No, no. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous for people. That's why we don't want people to be using street cannabis. We want them to be able to legally get it through their doctors. And there's just such a reluctance to prescribe well, I mean, I have taken, and in the wintertime, we'll continue to take CBD, but thankfully what I have, which is osteoarthritis, responds very well to CBD. But, but I can't yeah. imagine what it must be like to try to get something that you know will work, but you can't get it. Yeah, it's so frustrating coming back. And then you don't even know who you buy it off half the time, you know? Okay. Are you hoping that Stephen Donnelly will come and meet your group today. Is there any hope at all that he will? How? I mean, do we do we know how he how disposed he is towards towards changing this? Well, I've been contacting him personally since 2019 when I moved to Spain, telling him that I wanted to move back home, that I have the prescription, I just need to cover by the medical card. Every single email that I received back, none of them were personalised in any way. Not that I want a personal email, but it's copied and pasted from the government website. No acknowledgement of having to live in Spain, leave my family, nothing like that. Just a copied and pasted message every single time. Yeah. And and going to, you know, look, I mean, I, all, I always talk about in the fullness of time, when mortgage is paid and all that, spending a lot of more time in, in, in Spain, it's kind of my happy place. But you don't, you're, li- yeah. you're, you're living there because you have to, not because you want to. Exactly, yeah. And I don't have the freedom to come over and back all the time um, either, you know. I know, I know. It, it's heartbreaking. Like, you you must miss family badly and that. Yeah, that's it really. I've loads of nieces and nephews and like I didn't see them for two years at one stage and they're completely different people. Like, and it's so, they're all under the age of 13. So it's hard for them to understand why I can't be in Ireland. Missing life events like communions and confirmations and birthdays. Everything, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. 
So good luck today. You're on. You're on a train. I, I know, and that's great that the signals held up so long. You're on a train. I, they expect quite a big turnout. It's crazy. You can get it quite legally, but you can't afford it. And at the stroke of a pen, the minister could make it affordable for you. Exactly. That's all it takes. It seems like an administrative thing at the moment, but there's no moving on them. So that's why we're going to be there today. All right. Okay. Look after yourself. Stay safe. Thanks a million Take for the interview. I, I, I wish you a pain-free visit. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks a million. Cheers, Alicia. 0818969696. I did a little bit of very personal research while I was on holidays because of this damned arthritis that I have. It, it responds very well to CBD. Very well. Uh, but the, the problem is that the stuff I can get here is... It's, 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 a drop of the bucket compared to what you can get in Spain. All quite legal. But I hate to be in her position. She lives a normal life with THC. Normal life. And she can get it here. They'll prescribe it to her. Her pain consultant will give it to her. But the government will want her to pay a thousand euro a month for it. I don't know. And I know we've had the discussion over the years. Should we just legalise cannabis anyway? And would solve all these problems. And that's a separate argument, and there's for and against it. But the idea that you can be prescribed something that will work, your pain consultant knows it'll work, and she's living proof that it works. And she's living in Spain because it's the only way she can get it affordably. No, that's that. That, 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 don't, that don't make sense in 2022. And Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Kate says she just doesn't understand this whole medical cannabis argument anymore. The most effective drug for Alicia... It's just, it's not banned here, but it's completely, well, it, it is not banned here, Kate. She can get it. She has a prescription to get it, a license to get it. She just can't afford it. It's completely bizarre. And John, I thought we'd be way past this by now. Most people agree that most of the time medical access should be granted. The situation's far too restrictive and beyond any logic. Yep. I used to be in two minds about this whole thing. I've moved right over now. You know, you change your mind over a period of time. Man, it never changed his mind about something, never changed anything about anything. I'm totally in favour of it now. Let your GP prescribe it. And let it be on the drugs payment scheme. Because so many people would benefit from it. 0818969696 If you want to argue against me, that's fine If you want to disagree with me, that's fine too Legalisation isn't the solution I'm reminded Because you can't control the quality then, for example At least medical products made using cannabis Licensed and given out in proper pharmacies, proper suppliers I think it's a no-brainer at this point. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. There is a chronic shortage of teachers, and we're hearing from around the country of schools which have vacancies. Now, there's always vacancies in schools, but we're only days away 
from the start of the new term. And there are, I'm told, in secondary schools across Cork, 30 key unfilled jobs. Kevin Wall is a spokesman for the ASTI in Cork, teaches at Clush to Eamon Reach. That's a lot of vacancies, uh, Kevin, in, in, in key areas, I understand. Good morning. Hi, good morning, PJ. Yeah, the, at the moment, there's 30, 30 to 32 vacancies on education posts with all with kind of imminent closing dates. So schools are obviously under pressure to still recruit for their last few positions. Um, it is particularly worse even in Dublin. There's 142 vacancies in Dublin at the moment. What kind of teachers are you needing? History, geography, maths, French? No, so history and geography are generally, there's a, sometimes an oversupply of those, even business teachers. The areas that are causing huge concern are home economics, Irish, modern foreign languages like French and Spanish and maths. And another particular niche area is the guidance counselor. They're almost impossible to get. Yeah. Now, I understand that there's a, an exodus to Dubai uh, among young teachers. Yes. So, look, I suppose the, the issues that we're seeing, PJ, is that uh, students are starting off on their training programs, be it like in home economics or in science or whatever, but they're being lowered by a more attractive salary in the agri-food sector and also in the pharmaceutical sectors. Um, so when they qualify, even though they might start off on the path of teacher training, they actually don't end up teaching at all. They're, they're being been lured into the private sector and then also there's you know a cohort who end up going to Dubai um, and the main reason behind that really is to try and get on the property ladder because of the house prices here teachers feel it's more beneficial for them to go to Dubai for three or four years and try and save for a deposit because they're not paying tax there mm, they're not paying tax over there and yeah. they're also living on a compound and there's not a whole pile of a social life for them over yeah. there so they get to save but do do they do they or do they not have to pay tax on the savings then when they come back here um as far as i know they don't pj i mean i, I know colleagues of mine who have gone who have gone abroad to places like dubai and they're coming back with 25 30,000 saved which is is forming then the basis of a deposit for a house it's hard to blame them isn't it oh it's it's very hard to blame them i mean look the salary uh, starting off here in Ireland isn't isn't up to scratch. It's 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 significantly lower than the private sector in these niche areas. Mm. And you know the other point here, PJ, well, it's about, a, it's mid thirties, isn't it, or am I? Off, yeah, off the, look, the starting salary at the moment is thirty eight thousand for a teacher. But okay. look, in the agri food sector and pharmaceuticals, some of the starting salaries are high forties and even fifty thousand. And and is the salary then in Dubai is it in or around the same, but it's just tax free. It's in or around the same, but it's tax free. You know, and and there's benefits. You know, some some schools will provide a certain number of flights home per year. That's right, um, yeah. etc. You know, I heard an interview with a teacher uh, last year, sometime who just come over three year contract. The very same was going home with a view. Both himself and his partner were teachers. They'd moved over, and they said that by the time they get home. They'll have enough money saved up to buy the apartment that they want. And and the part of their package involves accommodation. I mean, that's a, no, that's a no-brainer for a young person. Absolutely. And I mean, I think it's also worth noting, PJ, that, you know, these teachers who are going down the qualification route are incurring huge, huge bills along the way. So, for example, 
you're talking about a teacher doing a three-year arts degree at probably three and a half thousand euros per year in fees, two-year PME at six thousand per annum. Um, that's not to mention then rent, food, travel costs. So some of these students are coming out of their their training, probably having racked up debts of twenty to twenty-five thousand. And there isn't even um, a guarantee of a permanent job in, in certain subject areas here in Ireland. You brought, you brought me right back to where I wanted to be, and that is take yourselves in close to Eamon Reach. I mean, have you shortages there at the moment? Well, we're, we managed to, to fill all our jobs at the moment. But look, one of the things we've been asked to do in preparation for the year, obviously on the backdrop of COVID as well, is to have... Um, certain banks of work prepared in the eventuality that, you know, God forbid you're out sick or you catch COVID and you're not at school because what it does is it buys the principal um, a day or two maybe to try and get somebody in. Um, So we are already being asked to prepare for these eventualities um, just in case. And mentioning those eventualities, I assume Kevin, if there's a shortage of teachers, there's also a shortage of subs one follows the other. Absolutely there's a shortage of subs and again it's a a catch 22 PJ because like you know as I mentioned earlier when you when you go and train to be a guard or a nurse or the army or the navy and other aspects of the public service when you qualify you have a full time permanent job Yes, that is not the case in teaching like depending on your subject requirements at any given time and your location in terms of your local school, there's no guarantee that you would get a full contract. So a lot of teachers are operating off part-time contracts of of less than 22 hours. So some teachers operating on 12, 13, 14 hours and then trying to pick up extra subbing hours if they're available. So again, that's, that's turning people off. It's not sustainable to try and live like that. No, no, no. All right. Kevin, leave it there with you. Um, okay. Good luck with the new school year. Thanks a million. Back tomorrow. So you, right. you got me up early this morning. <laughs> ah, good practice. It's good, good practice, practice for the months ahead. Thanks very much. That's Kevin Wall, his teacher at Cloister Eamon Reish and spokesman for the Association of Secondary Teachers in Ireland here in Cork. 0818 96 96 96. And it's probably not a politically correct thing to say I don't blame any young teacher uh, who packs off to Dubai for three years for a tax-free salary guaranteed work accommodation flights home well, would you blame them? would you blame anybody for doing it? I'd do it myself tomorrow if I had my time around and I was a young teacher there's a shortage of teachers says Chair look no further than the Rose of Tralee all the lovely girls Seem to have attended Mary Eye at some stage or other. You're not wrong. I missed it last night, but I, I hear there was great shenanigans. Like Dahi in an ice bath, which I assume was before the break, so he got a chance to change his clothes. <laughs> oh, you know what, lads? I won't hear a word said against it. It's gas. It, I didn't see it last night, but it's, it's, it's just great fun. And, and it's, you want to see the interest in it around the world. We might knock it and the, Twitter was having a right pop off it last night. But we might knock it, but around the world they queue up outside Irish clubs to get a go off it. So it's on again tonight. I, I might watch it tonight um, to see what Dottie ends up to.
ends up doing. 0818969696. Now, yesterday we were talking to a number of parents who were involved in the fuss march at the weekend. Among them was Elva, who has two boys, Odrin and Killeen. And they're both on the spectrum and they both have specific needs that she talked about. And listening to them, or listening to her rather telling their story, was Julia Buckley from Equine Therapy Cork. Uh, And Julia, you, you contacted us to say that you might be able to help the two lads. In what way? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I was very interested in uh, Elva's uh, story yesterday about her two boys. I suppose in my line of work, I come across a lot of uh, cases like uh, Elva's two sons. I suppose the reason I'm calling is I feel I can help these two boys by introducing them to my therapy horses. Um, no, I suppose... I work in a very controlled, safe environment with these horses. Stevie and Joey, by the way, are my two horses, okay. and I treat them like my kids. Um, now, where the boys, they can experience the calmness of being around the horses, and they can be themselves without being judged. Uh, as you know, and a lot of people know, horses have no expectations and love being in the presence of children. Okay. Uh, so they're able to connect on a level that both parties are comfortable with. And I suppose that's important, you know. Yeah, talk a little bit about that therapy because there is, and my own boy went horse riding for a couple of summers and still does it once a week with his his day centre and absolutely loves it. Horses appear to be able to connect with the autistic person in a unique way. We, We don't really understand it, do we? But it's there. Well, I suppose my understanding of it is that horses are herd animals to begin with and they look out for each other. Okay. Uh, but what you might not realise, though, is that they behave in the same way with anybody they feel needs looking after. So I suppose that would be it in a nutshell, you know, that they look after us the same. Uh, that's probably something that uh, people don't understand unless they're around horses. Look, I've been around horses all my life, really. So I suppose uh, some people here locally call me the horse whisperer. I don't believe that, but uh, that's what it is. Look, while a horse won't be able to sense your child has autism or the children have autism, they'll understand that, you know, uh, the child is vulnerable and needs to be protected. Wow. As well as that, you know... I suppose that's 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 a lot to take in, PJ. Well, well, you know, we 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 know that they're highly intelligent creatures. You only have to spend time just watching a horse, and 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 look at the eyes, and they have the most intelligent eyes I think of any animal you've ever seen. But they they have absolutely sense, they have a sense that another creature, and I use creature in a general term, they have a sense that another creature may need protecting or minding. Absolutely, wow. absolutely. Because I suppose the reason why I ever started having an interest in this side of horses, firstly, I suppose um, I used to break horses with my late dad and they were a lot of the reason why I was able to grieve my father. Uh, I was able, They had such a connection with me. And as you say, they've got an amazing eye, they've got an amazing intelligent glance and they've got an amazing touch about them. So for anybody who feels disconnected from the world around them, Horses don't judge them. They won't expect anything from them. And they're able to connect with them. 
Such on a, a level. strong, powerful animal, yet so gentle. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I suppose, uh, PJ, it's important to note as well that not all horses are suitable as therapy horses, you know. Uh, I yeah, mean, talk, talk to me a different... bit about Stevie and Joey. What kind of horses are they? Well, I suppose they're, they're cobs, what we call. A cob is something between a pony and a horse. Uh, small enough to carry a small child and strong enough to carry an adult. So they're unique in that sense. Um, I've had these horses over the last 12 years and I've been working, I could honestly say I've been working maybe six to seven days every week with them. I'm with them every day because I feed them every day and I pet them and I suppose I could tell lots of stories about Stevie and Joey, but I'm hoping that there might be a few of my uh, friends listening in that will understand when I, I won't mention names, but I might mention instances and cases where I've helped people. I've one particular uh, young lad, I suppose, and he absolutely loves Joey. Mm. Uh, he's a boy of uh, 23 years of age, nonverbal, um, to an extent, but he can well communicate with Joey and through Joey, he communicates with me. Now, initially, when this boy came to me, he's a nice, a gorgeous looking boy, uh, but with lots of uh, social issues and um, he doesn't find it easy to uh, connect with people, mm. whereas he finds no difficulty whatsoever in connecting with Joey. My horses love parliaments. I introduced them to parliaments when I was training them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be therapy horses. So I'd say I'm getting a great laugh now from your audience this morning because I'm noted for being around here with packets of polaments in any pocket or in any bag that I bring with me. There's a packet of polaments or maybe three or four left at the end of a packet, right. depending on how many horses I've been with. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the child is fascinated once I give a parliament to Stevie and Joey, <coughs> they they actually, they, they, they just look at me for a minute, then they start chewing. And the child is absolutely blown away by the fact that he's chewing, chewing, chewing. And the noise is just amazing. Mm. And it's, it's like it's like a child for the first time getting a lollipop and they're doing, mmm, it's gorgeous, you know. <laughs> and it, yeah. it's it's very real. It's very real and it's a very simple thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it, uh, it, it kind of, it's the first connection that the horse makes with the child. I asked them to feed the horse. Stevie, in particular, a smaller child now because Joey would be a bigger horse mm. than Stevie. Stevie is a, a narrow little horse. Um, actually, the truth being known, he, he, he probably has only a half a hip. Before he came to me, he was born with kind of a little bit of a disability himself, which is, I think, another reason why he understands uh, somebody on the spectrum or somebody with difficulties, you know. Mm -hmm. And he takes it on board and he's very gentle, very gentle. Okay. So a typical session of equine therapy, um, what happens? Right, what happens is um, the parents ring me up, they call, they bring the child, they give me a little bit of information about, uh, about the child, you know, and what's going on for him or her. Um, so I suppose they come along and look, they don't have a lot of expectations really. So what they do is uh, 
I look at them and I introduce them to Stevie. No, some of them don't want to have anything to do with me, really, because they wouldn't be people friendly. I'm sure you've experienced that in your own situation. So um, what I do then is I just uh, bring Stevie along. I introduce Stevie firstly to the parents or the guardian or whoever brings the child along. And I say, look, um, touch his nose there. Look how soft that is. You know, touch his ears. He loves, some horses don't like their ears being touched. Stevie loves it. (laughs) He's got four ears. So they get a great kick out of that. They start interacting straight away. Then I might hand them, yeah, it's very simple. Then I hand them a brush and a comb, a horse brush and a horse comb, main comb. And I start brushing and I say, just follow me now and look how Stevie is reacting. And straight away, I have an interaction there. Straight away. So as a result, um, the the uh, the child is is very much interested in in kind of having Stevie as a friend, because Stevie doesn't talk back like us adults, yes. and he doesn't question him, and uh, he doesn't judge him either. So I'd allow him to walk Stevie to the arena with me. No, the arena is a very important place because it's um, it's a familiar place to Stevie, yeah. and. Obviously, he feels very secure and safe there. Uh, No, the child will lead the horse with me. And I usually close the gates, a timber gate, and I leave the parents outside. And I say, look, we're okay. You can sit and watch or you can go to your car, read your paper, have a little break. Depends on how the child is getting on, which is a lovely time for the the parents, you know, because... um, the environment I work in is, um, it's about 700 metres off the road, down a real narrow country lane. And nobody passes by except the birds and the bees and the foxes and the hares and the, and everything else. And maybe the odd tractor. But um, it's, um, so from there, I kind of work on Stevie then myself. Stevie is voice responsive to me, by the way. So if I say to Stevie that Johnny or Mary or whoever is with me, the, the, the child coming for the therapy, is going to get up on you now, Stevie. So I have a special little steps with one handle on it so they can actually, they can walk up the steps themselves. And all this is very good for the child because they're feeling, they're climbing, they're getting in touch with themselves and their senses. So they go on horseback then, they're going on a saddle, I put their legs in the stirrups and I lead Stevie around the arena. No, that in itself, to get to that stage, it could take maybe 30 minutes. Yes. This is the first therapy session. No, if they're enjoying it and if they're safe and if if I know myself that they're quite happy, what I'll do is I'll move Stevie on a little bit faster. We'll go trotting. Yes. And I have two helpers with me. My two sons help me quite a bit. They're both over 16. And one would be at either side and I'd lead. And... If you just saw the interaction yeah, and the yeah. laughing that I get from the child once the horse starts trotting, because this is such a new experience to them. They've never experienced anything like this before. No, animals are great therapists anyway. And dogs, I agree, are are very, very good therapists. But you can't get the same therapy that you get from a horse. You can't get because you're actually feeling it. <laughs> Well, no, PJ, I don't think you would, or I would. <laughs> but uh, no, they, they tend to get great enjoyment out of it. Do you know, I could um, spend the day talking to you about it, Julia, 
but I think people yeah. can go and look at your you have a Facebook page it's it's Equine Therapy Cork you're Therapy. based in White Church at the Coppel Gal Centre and you can be contacted on Facebook I know you've been mentioned in dispatches before to me for, for your work yeah. with, with the yeah. horses and the kids and thank you for coming forward and talking a little bit about it and you'd never know maybe maybe Elva and her boys could could get in touch with you and, and you might be able to, to work with them I'd love to meet them PJ but as well as that look before I go and I don't mean to hog your show because right. I'm, I'm a great uh, supporter of you um, it's not it's not a cheap business to run no and I do my very best. In some cases, look, parents might say, look, I'm paying for every blooming thing. Is this going to cost me an arm and a leg? It's not. I actually take what the person can afford, right? So I'm not a charity. I have to leave. But I would love if somebody like J.P. McManus was out there listening, <laughs> he has already funded something like this. But if there's a J.P. McManus in Cork or anywhere else that would like to help out in this situation, okay. it's not for me. It's for the good of the kids. Right. And uh, again, PJ, thanks so much for right. having me on. Thank you. Thank you. Most enlightening conversation. Julia Buckley from Equine Therapy Cork. Stream the freshest hits of 2022 on The Hit Mix. Let's go! Or find the biggest workout bangers on the Fit Mix. The Cork's 96FM Hit Mix and Fit Mix are streaming live right now. Streaming live right now. Melody is playing, playing. Download the Cork's 96FM app. Listen on your smart speaker. Or go to 96FM.ie. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, my four-year-old son uh, attends equine therapy. We're going to, are we? Okay. Um, yeah, it just, it always happens when you talk to someone like Julia uh, about something you never even knew existed, or at least some listeners would never even know existed. Patrice, you've been going to, to Julia and to Stevie and to Joey. Morning. Hi, how are you, PJ? How are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, it was great to hear Julia talking there. She's an absolutely amazing woman. Um, my son would just be average needs, everyday boy, but he's an older brother who he was obsessed with. And this was his thing that he did that his brother didn't do, you know. So it was his own little thing to go up and sit in a horse. And yeah. not only did Dara sit in a horse, um, I got to sit in a horse as well many times, which is something that I've done rarely in my life. So it's just a really empowering, calming place to yeah. be. And we really enjoy it. And when you're watching or when you were watching, Patrice, you're, you're, you're led interacting with the horse for the first time. What's that feeling like? It's just, I suppose, well, first of all, I'd set the scene. When you're up in Julia's place, you're in off the road, you're away from the busyness of the day, traffic, life, any issues. So you're in off the road, beautiful country lane, scenery around you, and it's just you, the horses, and the beautiful nature surrounding you. And there's something just extremely special up there. And I've just really enjoyed going and as I, I said in the text to you I get as much from these sessions just watching my son watching the horses watching how Julia works with the horses mm. it's just it's calming it's one of the best things I've ever done for myself and I said I was doing it for my son but I'm getting as much out of it as he is good for you good for you Patrice thank you uh, 0818 96, 96, 96. that's some endorsement 
for Julia, isn't it? We've had a WhatsApp voice message about teachers. I think we've got time to get it in there before we go to the news at 10. Always welcome your WhatsApp voice message at 083 396 96 But uh, this one came in in response to our discussion on a shortage of teachers. PJ, I'm just listening to that gentleman there about looking for teachers. 38,000 is not a bad starting salary if you take other trades that train also for three or four years to get their apprenticeship and they're starting on far less. So 38,000 isn't a bad salary and in the on the other side of the coin there should be pay parity without a doubt. It should go back to whatever they were being paid before the recession. But I think 38,000 is not a bad salary. I mean, on a similar vein, I think the USC should be abolished. It came in as a temporary measure, just the same as that cut to the teachers' salaries. Um, And everybody else is in the same boat with the cost of living and the cost of groceries and the cost of rent and the cost of mortgages. So teachers are not any different to anybody else in that. And I am not anti-teacher by a long shot, not at all. I have the utmost respect for what they do because a good teacher, like anything, can set somebody up for life. Your thoughts on that? 0818 96 96 96. Thank you. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. On your radio every afternoon with the best tunes from the biggest names like these guys. My name is George Ezra. Hi, I'm Lizzo. This is Harry Styles. I am always good for a giveaway. You're very good, thanks a million. And the random stuff like House Envy. Can you see the water from where you are? I can. It's beautiful, yeah. Any interest in doing a bit of Airbnb, Gillian? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. With Sky VIP. At Sky, everyone's a VIP. Visit the VIP section of the My Sky app to discover your rewards. On Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. The email, opinion at 96fm.ie. And the email is the handiest way to get us, as it were, out of hours. If you listen to any of our podcasts, we put several podcasts up a day, including the full show. If you listen to those, or if you listen to our overnight repeat show between 3 and 5 a.m., it's just a shortened version. And people listen to it in the four corners of the world because of the different time zones. If you're listening to any of that, then the easiest way to get a hold of us is opinion at 96fm.ie best way to get us out of hours and we'll come back to you ASAP 0818 96 96 96 uh, listening to teachers and Dubai and, and all of that uh, someone says here correct me if I'm wrong isn't PJ's daughter a veterinary nurse she is indeed if she is tell her go to Abu Dhabi or Dubai she'll double her money and not have to spend any oh believe me my daughter could spend money anywhere oh trust me she could spend money in the middle of the Gobi Desert but anyway uh, a friend of myself moved over seven years ago you earn, you earn more and you pay no tax 
your department is paid for and you get a paid flight home once a year and the vet's driver picks her up to bring her to and from work. No cleaning, no reception, just nursing. Do you know what? If she said she wanted to go, I'd I'd take her by the hand up the steps of the plane and say, go and enjoy the opportunity, kiddo. Uh, But she'd not have to spend, no. No, no, trust me. My daughter could spend, my daughter could spend money in in the desert, so she could. <laughs> oh, yeah, he killed for that. Oh, 818-96-96-96. Now, mothers in particular, but according to stuff I've been reading recently, men too can have trouble with their pelvic muscles. It's all part of your insides that you don't think much about until it goes wrong. Uh, it can affect women in their 20s, 30s, right up into their 40s and 50s. There was a piece in the Examiner last month, Dervila O'Rourke was writing her weekly column about uh, pelvic muscles and pelvic floor health and all of that. And she mentioned Aoife Niyoki, um, who is a physiotherapist and a pelvic physio specialist. Um, Aoife, good morning. It's, it's a part of the body, I suppose. It's a part of the body you don't think about until it starts to give trouble. Would I be right? Absolutely right, PJ. As you say there, this is the part of the body, you know, involved with our insides and we can't see it. You know, when there's a problem, sometimes you can't feel these muscles. So you're absolutely correct. It's an area that's often overlooked. Mm. Where are they? What do they do? What's their job? Oh, well, thank you for asking me that. And I really like to start any interview with explaining that because it is a mystery for lots of people where, you know, where these pelvic floor muscles are located. So, PJ, if you think of the area of your body between your waist and the top of your legs, that's where your pelvis is located. It's mm-hmm. a large circular bone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if you think of your tummy, you know, we all kind of know where our tummy muscle is and our core is. Well, the pelvic floor muscles are located at the base of the pelvis. So sort of they form the the floor of the core. Think of it as, you know, that area. Right. Okay. And what function do they provide day to day, shall we say? Well, they're so, so important. So they are responsible for the normal filling, storing and emptying of the bladder and they're also responsible for the normal filling, storing and emptying from the bowel. They're really important as well to kind of keep our organs that are located in the pelvis where they should be. So, you know, our bladder and our bowel for men, you know, and for women, the bladder, the bowel, the womb and the vaginal walls. They guard against a thing called prolapse. And PJ, one final really important function in men and women, they're really important for normal sexual function. Okay. So they're, they're, like a, they're like a scaffold, really. Yes, absolutely. If your pelvic floor wasn't there at the base of the, the pelvis. Now, this is a bit of an exaggeration, but, you know, literally the organs would come down, come out. Okay. You know, so they're crucial, absolutely crucial. Now, I know that in, in motherhood in particular, um, they, they can be problematic. Why? Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, they're very, um, you know, affected by hormonal changes. 
So, you know, if we think about pregnancy first off, so, you know, you don't have to be a pelvic floor expert to see the changes in a woman's body when she becomes pregnant. So, you know, how the bump grows and, you know, that enlargement of the the bump, um, you know, creates pressure downwards on our pelvis and on our pelvic floor muscles. So there are specific hormones that are released that cause laxity or softening of our soft tissue. So our ligaments, our fascia and our muscles. And they start off at 10 weeks um, gestation or 10 weeks pregnancy. And they're actually in a woman's body until the baby, imagine, is 18 months and then PJ, you'll be well. Yeah, they're they're there that long. We actually used to think they were there for a shorter period postnatally, but now we we know that um, the softening of the ligaments in the pelvis, um, you know, will affect a woman until the baby is eighteen months old. Now, if we all those that were pregnant had big bumps out, you know, for that length of time, they'd be so careful of the baby. But, you know, it is worth saying that it's, you know, it's important to be careful of yourself in the early postnatal period. It, it, it kind of makes sense too, doesn't it, Aoife? Because you've got this, forgive me now, this eight or nine pound yes. bundle sitting exactly. on the pelvic yes. floor. So that's going to yeah. stretch it. And, and also Absolutely. the tissues have to prepare for opening up for birth and you're saying that after birth has happened and everything has hopefully gone as well as it can it takes the floor time to reset itself as it were Yes, it does. Those hormonal changes are there in the body. We used to say one time until, you know, three months after the birth or, you know, we might say three months after uh, stopping breastfeeding, which we're all for, of course. But nowadays we know that it's there longer for the woman. So, you know, very, very important. And PJ, could I just say as well, and you talked there about, you know, giving birth and the changes and, you know, the stretches and that. But even if you have a cesarean section, you know, the effect of carrying the baby and, um, you know, it could give you issues. Don't think a cesarean section protects you from pelvic floor muscle dysfunction. Yeah, well, of course you know, sadly, been, it doesn't. You've been carrying this bundle yeah. for eight, nine months. It's been sitting there. So, it's, so yeah, absolutely. When, when should people begin? And I, I know that there's an importance here for men, which I'll come to in a while. Yes. Cause I, I didn't yes. know that, Thank I you. have to say. When yeah. I, I, I yeah, did not exactly. know that. But anyway, yeah. when, when should a yes. woman, for example, begin to prepare her pelvic or even after having a baby? How can she help her, yes. herself to, yeah. to, to, if you like, return to, to, to regular shape? Yeah. Yeah, great question. So really, we all should be doing pelvic floor muscle training as part of our general exercise, I believe, from age 20. Now, if you're pregnant and you're beginning pelvic floor muscle training for the first time, it's your first pregnancy, I would recommend it to begin it from 20 weeks when the pregnancy is, you know, well established. Then I would say, to answer your question on the postnatal side, the moment that you wake up after giving birth, uh, you know, I don't know in Cork if you get that lovely tea and toast uh, you do here in Galway. I'm told they still do, yeah, I'm told they still do. Oh, good, good, good. Well, listen, after the tea and toast, ladies, begin the pelvic floor muscle training straight away. And then, you know, at any age, and an important point, PJ, begin the pelvic floor muscle training sooner, though, if you have issues. So here we see children 
children, we see teenagers, um, you know, we see top athletes with uh, pelvic floor muscle dysfunction. Anybody can have it. Right. No. Yeah. If someone said to me, exercise your arm, I know how to do that. Exercise your legs, yeah. I know how to do that. Exercise your tummy muscles, I know how to do that. Exercise yeah. your pelvic yeah. floor, where do you even start? Yeah. Start, yeah, exactly. Well, PJ, I can run through a quick pelvic floor exercise um, if you wish. Would I do that? Well, if, if you want. Should I, yeah, should I stand yeah, up yeah, or yeah. what? Yeah, no, you're perfect as you are there sitting down. Okay. Thank you. So... Um, wasn't expecting this this morning when I had me conflicts yes, sorry, and no. tell you now. <laughs> I'm landing this on you, on you PJ. You're all right. So just to say, just to say, right, the way we do the pelvic floor muscle training has changed. There was a great fellow, PJ, he was called Kegel was his surname. And in 19, 1930, he was a gynecologist. He pretty much invented pelvic floor muscle training. But that time it was all related to the front section of the pelvic floor. So in women, we talked about stopping the flow of urine. You know, in men, we talked about drawing the scrotum towards the tummy. But then, you know, in the last 10 to 15 years, there's been a change in how we do the training with the advent of diagnostic tests like ultrasound and MRI and the great work of some of my colleagues in, you know, in Australia and in the UK, Professor Dietz, uh, Ruth Lovegrove-Jones, we discovered that the posterior compartment is really important, right? So keep that in mind. So as a quick exercise, if you can imagine, PJ, that you're in a lift or you're at a party and there's somebody standing beside you and that you don't want to pass wind. So don't think that you're, you know, doing any exercises. <laughs> right? there. Just sque- <laughs> exactly, exactly. So tighten the back passage as if you're trying to hold in wind. <laughs> now, don't worry if you're holding your breath at this stage. Don't worry <laughs> if the tummy tightens at this stage or the buttocks. I don't mind what tightens <laughs> as long as you're imagining that you're trying to hold in wind. So yeah. that is like a first basic exercise. Okay. Now, what you could do is like you can do this. Like Exactly, exactly. Now, the ladies that would be listening might be feeling, you know, the front section clenching as well. And that's absolutely fine. As I say in the beginning, I don't mind what what moves, what contracts, as long as you're visualizing and thinking that you're trying to hold in. Because we know from the scans and from the evidence that this cues the right muscles in the right way. And PJ, it's really important as well, you know, to feel that you're doing this. You know, if there's any doubt that you're not doing these exercises correctly, you know, you're not as inclined to do them and they won't be as effective. So really important message these days, you know, what's a newer way of doing the training is to begin, you know, on the bowel side. You know, and we've much more nerves there, men and women. Our sensation tends to be better. So, you know, it has rocketed, or to use Dervil O'Rourke's word, where it's revolutionized, you know, the effect of these exercises. And how long should you hold these clenches for? Yeah. So Not with that exercise, right? Journey, I imagine. Yeah. Now, so what, what I would recommend is you could do this exercise with 100% effort, so a max squeeze. And if you did this before and while lifting anything that was equal or heavier than the weight of a jug kettle of water, right. and before and while coughing and sneezing 10 times in the day, this would really be a great starting point and it would train a reflex. So say, PJ, you're coming into the studio, you have your, you know, you have your notes and your documents and your bag, you know, your coffee. So if you're lifting a bag out of the boot of your car, let's say, squeeze the back passage before you lift that bag. Try and keep the squeeze on until you put the bag down. And then, you know, if you're coughing, if you're sneezing, you know, ladies listening in will be aware of, you know, the lady in the supermarket, full bladder, a sneeze comes from 
nowhere. They stop, they cross their legs, they hope for the best. Don't do that. Engage the back passage. And, you know, then just moving on, PJ, if I'm not holding you too much. No, no, you know, you no. Could move on, you could move on that exercise, PJ, where you might squeeze by about 30% of what you could do. So a lighter squeeze. And um, that could be done in standing and walking. So later on today, PJ, if you're going for your walk, you know, for the first three minutes of your walk, you might tighten the back passage muscle as if you're trying to hold in wind a little by about 30% of what you could do. Keep that squeeze on for 10 seconds, relax it for 10 seconds. And, you know, if you could keep it going for about three minutes, right. you know, and if you did that, in a, if you could, you could also do it while you're brushing your teeth. You know, if you did that maybe, you know, five or six times in the day, that would be an excellent um, starting. And by the way, that exercise, I have to credit my colleague in America, uh, is called the knack. So, um, yeah. No, I'm sitting here doing this and yes. very Good conscious of the fact that, that, that I'm a man. And you're about yes. to tell me now why pelvic floor exercises are not just for women. Yeah. Yeah. So, as you say, men have pelvic floors as well. So the three cohorts of men that we see for pelvic floor muscle training as pelvic floor specialists are sadly men that are going through prostate cancer and have had surgery. We also see men with a non-surgical condition, which is called benign enlargement of the prostate. We jokingly say here, PJ, that the guys escape the pregnancy and childbirth, but the prostates catch up with them. Mm. And um, with each decade in life, you know, the prostate gland enlarges for men. And back to the anatomy, this is actually located very close to the pelvic floor. Mm. So as the prostate enlarges, uh, so you've heard of that, you know, benign enlargement of the prostate, yes. it gives bladder symptoms, it gives, um, it, it pressurizes the pelvic floor underneath. And then the last cohort of men that we would be see would just be men as they get older. You know, back to what I said at the beginning, you know, we all should be doing pelvic floor muscle training, you know, as part of our daily exercise to keep our pelvic floor toned. Now, um, if you have the problems, which are bladder problems, bowel problems, prolapse, you know, sexual dysfunction, particularly erectile dysfunction in the men, it's well evidenced that if you can train and get these muscles back in the normal range, then it will really help you. You'll be able to go to work, travel, exercise without fear of leaks. You'll sleep better. You won't be up at night to empty your bladder, you know, um, yeah. Okay, so I would not have, I would not actually have have realised yeah. that 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 men would yeah. benefit from this fascinating yeah. area uh, to talk about. Oh, Aoife. thank I you. Appreciate you being with us this morning on the program. Oh, my pleasure. Um, and 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 thank you very very much. That's Aoife Niokic, um, uh, international pelvic physio management is her company. Did, did you know that? A few clenches a couple of times a day is good for you, man or woman. See, you learn something every morning on this program, so you do. Best advice we ever got at school, says this message, was in the 90s. Our science teacher used to constantly tell us to do uh, pelvic floor exercises, and it really stood to me. You don't tell me whether that's, um, or whether you're male or female, but thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. Now, yesterday we were talking about the, the fighting Irish Today we have another example of the Fighting Irish, the Fighting Northside, who has brought someone who's brought home a gold medal in mixed martial arts. Next. Can we just talk?
The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 96 On Cork's 96FM. Don't be disturbed with me now for the rest of the day. I'll be clenching just to see how it works. <laughs> no, that was fascinating, I must say. Uh, we'll put that up as a, as a podcast uh, later. 0818 96, 96, 96 Now, yesterday morning, I was chatting to Lauren Crinion, who was in Turkey, and she won a silver medal in the boxing ring for Ireland in Turkey. She's 13 years of age. Louise Brady is 17, uh, also from the outside of Cork City. And Louise, you're just back from the Mixed Martial Arts Tournament, and you've got a gold medal brought to bring back to Farnry. Tell me more. Congratulations. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. So um, where, you, were, you, you were in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, in Abu Dhabi. Wow. <laughs> Tell me all about it. It was crazy. Um, I just, it was, I got to train in like the UFC gyms over there. It was totally different the heat everything was just it was the whole week leading up to it was just so much it was way different to home anyway it was out of my comfort zone for sure but um I got used to it after a while and yeah you went away and won a gold medal when (laughs) when did you get into MMA um about six or seven years ago right okay where did you go first where'd you learn um I I train in MMA Cork down in Blackpool okay Okay, and and you're, they tell me that you are currently ranked as the number one featherweight in the country. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so how did you qualify then for Abu Dhabi? So we had nationals and then we have um, like a a sort of grading um, session where all the athletes that, you know, um, win the nationals, they go up and they all train together and they make sure that you meet the standard, you know, with technique-wise for jiu-jitsu and wrestling and stuff. Right. How many fights did you have to have to win a gold medal? Two. I had two over there. Okay. So who did you fight? Um, my first fight was against Mexico and my second fight was against South Africa. Okay, that tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> because mixed martial arts, there's so many different things. I mean, I have a, a friend who is a, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, yeah. so we've talked to him a little bit about it but there's so many different things going on in that ring your opponent am I right in saying Louise that your opponent might have a different specialty to you and you just have to get in there and mix it up yeah so like my coaches you know we were kind of you know anticipating a little bit and you know we we were training all along just getting me well rounded so that no matter who I came up against you know whether they're a wrestler or you know they're good at jiu-jitsu or they're a striker like the Mexican girl was definitely a, a more of a striker and I kind of answered back with a, a strike and straight away she changed up she went to wrestling so you have to kind of know all the all the bits to to yeah. do well yeah it's 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 a tough one and you kind of you you'd you'd know your opponent is coming up so you'd watch them there's a lot of a lot of um preparation of like is there, like there is in any sport it's not a sport we would have associated with with girls, Louise, that's changing though, I think. Yeah, it's changing. Like even in the gym down below, I, I coach some kids' classes and I help out and like the amount of young girls, you know, that are coming in, it's, un- it's unreal to see. Um, you know, their parents bring them in, wanting them to learn self-defense and stuff. And, and you know, even going away to the World Championships, there's more girls now than there, there ever was. Yeah. 
one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, who's your 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 hero in, in the sport? Um, well, if, if I had to pick a hero, it would be Katie Taylor. But um, in my own sport, probably Valentina Shevchenko. Okay. I've heard that name. I've yeah. Heard that name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, we don't. We all know Katie Taylor, but I've heard that name too. So, for other, like, what do you as? Obviously, as a fighter, you get you, you get great pleasure of it. That's a fight, and I think you're even thinking of doing it professionally. But just as a person, what do you get from it? Well, growing up, I was always very shy, um, too shy to be honest. But uh, I think you know, taking up MMA. And like having, like, you know, the gang at MMA Cork are just, they're all lovely. Everyone's so welcoming. It doesn't matter what level you are, how old you are, you know, everyone's just, everyone's there to help each other. And I think that really just set me up to, you know, build confidence and stuff. Even in school and stuff, you know, it helps so much with concentration. And knowing that I have the gym afterwards to kind of go to and, and train, you know. Yeah, it builds you up as an individual as well. Must have been fantastic coming home with a gold medal. Big welcome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. What about your family? They're all amazed, I'd say, are they? <laughs> yeah. Randy, were, did any of them travel with you? My dad. My dad okay. came over with me. Very good. Okay, big adventure. Talk to me about... Go- oh, we've got a, you've got a small matter of a leaving cert to deal with. But, but, but yeah. after... <laughs> next June. But, <laughs> but after that, you, you really do want to try and take this professionally? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to give it a go, like, you know, work up amateur and then hopefully see where I'm at then. Yeah. And can you become professional within Ireland or would you have to travel? Um, you can become professional within, within Ireland, but I'd love to um, I'd love to go to a promotion in Miami, um, Combat Global, okay. um, as my first one. Okay. Did you, could you see yourself with loads of us tuning in at three o'clock in the morning on a pay-per-view to watch to watch Louise in, in an octagon somewhere. <laughs> Could you dream about that? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what, girl, dream big. 
dream big and it will happen. <laughs> Congratulations. You're, between yourself and, and Lauren bringing home the bacon to the north side, it's been a very big week. It's been a really successful week. Congratulations to you, Louise Brady, uh, gold medalist at the MMA World Championships in Dubai. Or Abu, Abu Dhabi, rather. Abu Dhabi. Congratulations, Louise Brady. But there was four, there was four uh, Cork teenagers, actually, in Abu Dhabi. Um, Katie Power is 14 Kian Heen is 17 Jack Connolly 15 all been training for two years with Kate, our Louise came home with the gold medal congratulations 0818969696 McNugent Councillor McNugent was on to say all the best to Louise a great welcome home in Farinry yesterday doing very well in the north side at the moment for female sporting stars and long may it continue who's to know we won't see an Olympian or a world champion, as in a professional world champion, coming out of the north side. Catherine says, hi, Louise. Happy for you to get gold, both for Ireland and for yourself. Yeah, great success. Now, yesterday morning, it wasn't 100% across this particular story, as we were talking about the people who'd been to the Fuss March on Saturday. I was aware of it, but I wasn't 100% sure of what was going on therapists that were taken out of schools, special schools, are going back. And we heard over the last couple of years about this new Progressing Disability Services, the PDS, the Umbrella Group. And we know that that's been a bit of a mess, to say the very least. And as part of that, therapists were taken out of the schools to be, inverted commas, delivered under this new Progressing Disabilities Plan and CDNTs, network teams and all of that palaver. According to the HSE, the HSE's own data now tells us that 60,000 children, 60,000 children are on waiting lists. Physiotherapy, occupational therapy, speech and language assessment and therapy at the end of May. 60,000 of a quarter of them at least have been waiting more than a year. And the Minister for Disability, Anne Rabbit, who was on this programme with me a month or two ago, has admitted the new system is simply not delivering. Well, at least they've woken up to that much. So the plan now is to put them back into the schools, into more than 100 special schools around the country. And some new schools that weren't there before, for instance, the new one in Carrigaline, uh, will get therapists. Rebecca O'Reardon, uh, one of the organisers of the FUS marches here in Cork. Rebecca, I think people will welcome this, but with some reservations. Good morning again. Good morning. Um, yeah, um, definitely there's a very mixed reaction to it. Um, obviously, it's fantastic to get any kind of movement on this issue because it is so vitally important and it does affect so many families. Um, I suppose the 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 kind of concerns that we would have um would be firstly would be that the staff is being pulled from the children's network disability teams and they specifically mentioned that they will pull the staff from uh, children's teams which have capacity and we know for a fact that not one of 91 children's network disability teams have capacity okay because they're actually not not a single one of them is fully staffed. They're f- between sixty and seventy percent um, staffed. Right. So, so they're they're so quite none significantly. Of the teams, 
none of the teams actually have capacity to allow their therapists go back into the schools. Yeah. There's I mean there's not a single one of them that's fully staffed. So to say in in this in this article that they're going to pull from teams which have capacity. There is no team that has capacity. That's been the whole argument all along that none of the teams are fully staffed. So it won't shorten the waiting lists at all. No, it will. It's basically it's like it's like, somebody actually said something which I thought was very um, an accurate description. We're on the Titanic and we've decided we're going to move the chairs from one room to another, <laughs> and nobody's moving the iceberg. Yes, there's a massive problem, isn't there, Rebecca? And it's it's exemplified in that that none of the teams as you say none of them are at capacity you've two problems recruitment is one retention is another now the hse say that they're going to launch an international recruitment campaign to bring ot's slt's and physios to ireland either home to ireland those who've left or i take it people of other nationalities coming to work here that in itself sounds like a good idea too it absolutely is, and it's something that, that is very long overdue and it would be a fantastic idea. There are a couple of things that we would need that need to be done in conjunction with that, though, um, and those would be such as looking at the cost of living because realistically we can't retain nurses, we can't retain doctors, we can't retain anybody at the moment because of the cost of living. So that that doesn't exist in a vacuum. You can't get anyone to come home to Ireland to work yeah. if they can't afford to live yeah. here. Nurses um, and doctors and are getting on planes every day of the week. So you're wondering, why would a physio come home? This is exactly it. And retention, there is, an, there is a, a, a very, it's a very toxic work environment. Um, because obviously if you're having to say, if you're sitting in front of families who are crying every day, telling them you can't do anything for them, you're not going to want to go into work realistically. If you're raising concerns about, you know, safety and supervision and those complaints are going into the ether or being ignored, but you have a non-disclosure agreement which says you can't be speak publicly about them, you're not going to feel supported in your workplace. Yeah. Or if you've left so, to prevent yourself being burnt out at 30, you're not going to come back exactly. into the same environment. No, not unless you know that somebody is listening to you and somebody is is actually, that there's some accountability somewhere up in the chain. Because the, the reality is that there's so many fantastic therapists who are working in the system right now and we address them kind of personally in the in the march. Uh, we actually had, um, we had um, an anonymous speech as well from a, a, a social worker with working within Tusla, who gave us a speech um, to well, read on well, his behalf. Well, well, social workers are leaving Tusla in their droves, and 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 that's that's a huge problem. That's it, yeah. And I mean, I suppose the 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 reality of it is that the this issue with children's uh, disability services it it has directly poured over into the provision of services for Tusla because these families who just needed that little bit of support have now gotten to the point where they're burnt out and they need far yes. more intensive interventions to keep the family together. And it's, they're, they're all reaching crisis point. Yeah. And it just means there's less resources for the children who really, really need it as well. Yeah. Someone said Because to me, things have just it, been let go so far. Put it really well to me one time. I need a little bit of help. My problem is if I don't get a little bit of help now, I'm going to need a lot of help very soon. That's it. And unfortunately... 
there are a lot of families who it would have literally been that they just needed a little bit of help. But now they're at the point where they need a huge amount of help, a really huge amount of help. And our other kind of concern, I suppose, with the with this announcement is that it mentions a period of clinical experience for anyone brought in by that international yeah. recruitment drive. But we're, what we're what we're looking for answers on with this one is how is anyone going to get a period of clinical experience when the only thing that these disability teams are delivering are universal interventions? You can't get clinical experience if you're recording a, a video which is designed to be an intervention for, you know, mm. 500 children of varying needs. Yeah. That's you can't get you, there's no there's not even a back and forth with those webinars. It's literally just a recorded video. Yeah. So that's not clinical experience at all. You could make that at home for YouTube. That's not clinical experience. Do you know what I mean? I know, I know. How are they going to get clinical experience if there's no if they don't have the capacity to actually provide any therapies? Yeah, there's a, there's a set of figures I got in the examiner which shows the shortages that are already there. Um, about thirty two occupational therapists needed about nearly 40 speech and language, over 20 physiotherapists short as it is. Yes. And I mean, Sinn Féin, um, Mark, uh, Mark Ward actually shared um, an answer that he got from the HSE recently in which it was discovered that 38 million was spent on the, you know, training of psychologists in Ireland, trainee psychologists, um, to try and recruit them into the HSE, 38 million spent and not one of them was hired to work within the HSE. Oh, not one of them. 38 million. They could have made a robotic one for that. Do you know what I mean? Just it's true. actually like, it's 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 mind-blowing that yeah. they're getting away with this. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing, I mean, it, it, it smacks to me of in the very early days of the pandemic, Rebecca, um, in those dark lockdown days, the HSE put out a, a call for people to come home and fight the good fight. And thousands applied. So they only hired a handful. That's you know? it. Um, they can, I mean, they can put, like, they can put out all these um, recruitment drives and things like that. But, it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it, all these recruitment drives are so wildly short-sighted because then when people try and actually do it, they won't listen to the problems they have in the in the recruitment process even because it takes nearly, you know, it's an extremely long process oh, to be hired by the HSE. Oh, in fact, and, now that you mention it, there's a message in. Go on, continue your point, sorry. Just like as in most people can't afford to wait six months to hear if they got the job. You know what I mean? That's right. They can't. That's right. That's right. Hey, look, it's, it's, it's a positive move that the minister has recognised that what was being forced upon people wasn't working uh, and hopefully getting the therapist back into the schools is a start of, of rectifying things but like you said a, a lot more to be done and a lot more to be to be worked out Rebecca thank you Rebecca O'Riordan uh, from the FUS March group and just as I was talking to Rebecca HSE is so ineffective at recruitment it beggars belief I went through a selection process for an engineering position within the HSE. It took almost a year. I got through it. I was sent forward for contract. A year later, no contract. The job appears to have disappeared, even though they went to my employer for references. The system just 
won't work. Yeah, you also have the other one, which is still going on. And I, I, I draw it to people's attention every so often because it's bonkers. So let's imagine I'm a professional within the HSE. We'll say, for argument's sake, I'm a consultant. Notions about myself. Let's say I'm a consultant. And this is the, what, the 23rd of August. And I tell my bosses in the HSE, well, I am handing in my notice. I'm moving. I'm going to work in Scotland or going wherever. And I will be finishing up on the 31st of December. Now, I'm giving them the bones of four or five months of notice. I'm leaving, lads. My, my finishing day will be 31st of December. When will they advertise my job? You'd think they'd advertise it next week with a starting date of the 1st of January. <laughs> no, 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 no. They wait until I leave and then they advertise it. And that's utterly stupid as well. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Following the trio's first instant sellout show, which received rave reviews, On the Road Again, An Evening with Fiacno Vrainon, Tom Dunn and Alan Connor comes to Cypress Avenue on the 24th of September. Tickets are on sale now from cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. Over 40 years, Aslan have had numerous chart successes, toured the world, broken up, made up and given us some classic songs such as This Is and Crazy World. Celebrating their 40th anniversary, their tour comes to Sea Church at Ballycotton on Thursday 18th of August with limited tickets left. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. With Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, John Sado from UCC was on the programme yesterday to talk to me about the Clean Air Together project, which has been launched by the Environmental Protection Agency. And this is about, they're looking for people to measure the amount of nitrogen dioxide in their driveways, in their houses, in their homes. And they're looking for a 1,000 people to gather data on the quality of our air. David Fenton is a scientist with the Environmental Protection Agency and, and joins me. David, it's, it's an ambitious project. You're looking for a 1,000 people in Cork. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Hi, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's great to talk to you today about this. Yeah, this is a really exciting project, I think. It's where we want to try and get um, the citizens of Cork to, to measure the air quality in their area. And that in turn will give us data uh, that would feed into our modelling to improve the picture of air quality around around the city. Mm. And by gathering the data like that, that's the way of influencing policy and making things better for 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 the for the citizens of Cork. Because we know what a good air quality, but it's needed for our health. Because if you're in poor air, if you have poor air quality, it's it's you know it, it's something that can that, that you don't want to be living with. Mm. But the only way of knowing that is by measuring it, and that's where we're at today. Uh, is by launching this project um, to try and get a thousand people in Cork to measure this nitrogen dioxide, as you said, which is um, the pollutant that is the major traffic pollutant, um, yeah. uh, and it's for that reason we're focusing on the city uh, to try and find out what the levels are. And uh, you know, we have the, uh, it's, it's a very simple thing to do, PJ, to start off with. We on our website, uh, cleanairtogether.ie, you can sign up there. You can find out more about the project. You can sign up uh, for free. And when you do that, we can then we post out the kit to you. 
what we're trying to do is to have kits in place around the city by the 3rd of October. Okay. Uh, so it's a very simple thing to do. Uh, you get the kit. The kit will be posted out to you. And this little tube is about the size of a crayon, about the size of a lipstick holder or something like that. Mm-hmm. And all you need to do is just put that outside your window and uh, leave it there for a month. You post it back to us and then we'll be able to analyze it and we will find out what the levels are. And we will then create a map of the, of the city to show what the levels of, of okay. nitrogen dioxide is around the, around the city. And it's it's something that we really are encouraging people to do. So if you take where I live, David, I live in, mm. on just at the edge of a housing estate. And obviously there's cars yeah. going in and out. I have two car, we have two cars in our house. And then there are two bus routes going up and down the road outside, literally 50 yards away. So I'd be picking up a lot of stuff in my little crayon-shaped tube, would I? You, you could be. I suppose that's the, the exactly what we want to find out. Um, clearly, the more traffic, the closer you are to a busy road um, is is where you're going to get more nitrogen dioxide. But what, what we're going to try and find out is what exactly do we mean by busy and what exactly do we mean by a lot of nitrogen dioxide? Because we do have um, in the, we do have ideas of that, but this it will give us far better data to find out, mm. to, to put numbers on it, if you like, and give us a stronger indication about what the levels are. Mm. Because there are policies already in place. Cork City Council have put in place a clean air strategy uh, for the city up to 2026. And if you look at our website, in fact, airquality.ie, it'll give you an indication of what the, the, the air quality is like throughout the city. But the thing is, like from our monitoring stations, we might uh, we we only have a fixed number of then. But can you imagine what a thousand data sets would give us for the city? Like it would just give us far much more information, and it's something that um, uh, it, it it it's something that that, that could really uh, mm-hmm. make a difference to the city of Cork. And, and there's, no fact, co- there's no there's no cost like, involved in taking part, no. No, there's no cost. It's 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 free of charge. And in fact, I'm delighted to say that we've already had 200 people sign up for it, which is extraordinary. It shows a real appetite out there from the people of Cork to find out about this particular thing, because when guys like me talk, like scientists and all, talk about nitrogen dioxide, we, we were talking like we were talking about the things we're familiar with. And I was wondering what people know about this. Would they be interested in it? Or like you know? But I'm really heartened that they are. Like the people of Cork have really grabbed this, and 200 people have already signed up for it, which, you know, which really, really is, is is immensely pleasing. Um, so like, th- th- there's clearly a, 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 an appetite for it there in the city, and I'd urge people to join you, you, those 200 people and and sign up for it and find out what the levels are in your own area, because that's the only way we'll get the data to do it and, and make a difference. So. Cleanairtogether.ie and literally just go on the website, and all the heavy lifting is done for you to get your little kit. Exactly, yeah, and as you said, it's free of charge. We just want the citizens of Cork to to, to participate in it, uh, and it is by getting people involved in it. If that, that, that's the way to do this from the okay. ground up, uh, and provide us the data, and then we we'll map it out and we'll show you exactly what the levels are, and we'll inform that that'll help inform policy into the future. Okay, all right, leave it there. Thank you, David Fenton is a scientist with the Environmental Protection Agency. Clean Air Together is the website to get your little testing kit to see how much NOx is around your house or around where you live. And uh, they're looking for a thousand of these things to be distributed around Cork and then they'll tell us how much Knox is in the air.
Someone says here, the rose of truly cringe and then the green emoji meaning they're yeah. unwell. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, so, so if this the traditional rose of truly in its current format as we know it, why isn't there one for lads? Let's have a lads rose of truly. Yeah, yeah. The, the bros of truly. <laughs> the bros of truly. Lucy <laughs> <laughs> and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, Alan O'Reilly at Carla Weather was talking early last week, but saying it was way too far ahead to be sure. But he was saying there's a prospect of some real back-to-school weather. And it turns out he's right again. Because looking at the weather forecast for the rest of the week using the ever-reliable Dark Sky app, looking at um, 20 degrees, 21 degrees, cloudy, few showers, although we haven't had much by way of showers here in Cork over the last few days, running right up to the weekend. But then Monday and Tuesday of next week, which is when back to school starts with a vengeance. (laughs) It's 22 degrees, 23 degrees, clear and no prospect of rain for the early days of next week. So one last lash of summer coming. No great heat. No great heat coming back. But uh, one last lash of summer, which we'll take for sure. Anytime we... Oh, did you notice? Was it just me? And I don't think it was. Because there were a few people saying it this morning. During the heat wave, it was hard enough to sleep at night. Last night was awful. Trying to sleep. Whatever was wrong with the air last night. I found it very, very hard to sleep. I don't know about you. 0818 96 96 96. Right, so you're going to a wedding. You get a message or you get an invitation to a wedding. Okay? And you think, right... Great. Oh, look, John and Mary have invited us to their wedding. That's lovely. That's marvellous. That'll be a nice day out now or whatever. We'll get the suit, the dress and the clothes. Hang on, there's a theme to the wedding. This was this was passed on to us. This was actually, a, a, I think, a Facebook post. But it got passed on to us and said, that's what do you think of this? So themed weddings are not new. People have, you know, they have um, black tie weddings and they have weddings where everyone wears red and they have... Um, Country and Western wedding. Yes, I have. I actually DJed at a country and Western wedding. It was one of the funniest things I was ever involved in. But this one came in. A couple invited to a Game of Thrones wedding. Now, what? A Game of Thrones wedding. So presumably everyone dresses up or, or looks like someone out of Game of Thrones, which is fine. That's fine. But it was going to be conducted. You're not going to believe this. Targaryen. Now, if you've watched Game of Thrones, KC is currently discovering it for himself at the moment and is wondering how he left it so long. I was the same when I watched it a few years ago myself. It's being conducted in Targaryen. So the wedding ceremony would be conducted in Targaryen, the official language of Game of Thrones. That's like conducting a Star Trek-themed wedding in Klingon. The have you ever been asked to go to a themed wedding and what would you think if you went to a wedding where everyone spoke 
Targaryen. I suppose it should be like being invited to a wedding done through Irish in Donegal. You wouldn't understand a word of it, would you? Game of Thrones weddings in Targaryen. As I said, Star Trek wedding in Klingon. Same thing. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Would you go? Would you learn Targaryen for a wedding? Are you that mad? Now, last week we were talking to uh, Saoirse O'Shaughnessy before she headed off to the Miss Ireland finals and I popped out to see her at the quiz she was doing at Flannery's last week and she went off, wished her luck and she she went off and she represented us uh, well at the weekend. But the eventual winner of Miss Ireland 2022 is a doctor, Ivana McMahon, who was representing... Ennis in County Clare but is trained as a doctor at UCC so we kind of have a Cork Miss Ireland anyway. Ivana good morning. Good morning so nice to speak to you this morning Congratulations and because you trained as a doctor in UCC we'll own you now so you'll be a Cork Miss Ireland anyway (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely glad to say it, I absolutely loved my time in Cork when I was studying there in UCC. From Ennis originally I am. I'm from Bearfield, so just outside Ennis in County Clare. Oh, is that the yeah. place with the... Haven't they got a GEA club with a big, long name? St. Joseph's Dura Bearfield. Is that that part of the world? That is it. That's <laughs> it indeed. I'm not much of a sportswoman myself, but that's definitely the... Yeah, it's, <laughs> the, it's, club. it's, the, mad, it's the maddest name for a club. I think. <laughs> Between that though and Longford Slashers, I think we... <laughs> <laughs> You're the seventy. Very long in any The seventy-fifth Miss Ireland. I am indeed. Yeah, I'm incredibly grateful and so proud that they chose me. I'm so happy, honestly, over the moon now since I was chosen on Saturday. Mm. What? What was? What kind of was the inspiration to take part? Why? Why did you? Want to take part? Um, so it was always something I definitely would have had uh, an interest in doing. Um, you know, I love kind of fashion and beauty, and uh, I definitely would have always had a big interest. Uh, but I suppose when I was, you know, going to college in UCC, I was putting my studies first and quite busy with that. Uh, but then I graduated from UCC in 2020, uh, which would have been during the COVID pandemic. And uh, we graduated early, kind of exams pushed forward. Um, mm. And working through that through that time um, just really made me realise how important it was not to have any regrets to make sure and put yourself out there, do everything you want to do. Um, and you know make the most out of life so I said I'd push myself forward go for it and I'm incredibly happy that I have (laughs) you're training as a GP but you you put that on hold now have you absolutely yeah so I'm taking um, a break from my medical career now at the moment Um, I'm going to have a a very busy year ahead I'm sure uh, with Miss Ireland and then going forward then to Miss World at the end of the year so I can't wait now for all what's to come yeah there's a big charity element to it everyone supports a charity what's your one absolutely um so the charity that i chose is the irish red cross clear area um so the irish red cross as you probably already know is an absolutely amazing charity um and the funds uh, that i raised went specifically towards their community transportation initiative so what they do is they transport people that may be isolated or 
elderly or just not have the appropriate transport to bring them to medical appointments. So be it dentist appointments, outpatient appointments, chemotherapy, anything they really need, they give them transport to and from mm-hmm. it. And it's completely free. Uh, it's uh, all their drivers are volunteers um, and the, the ambulances or vehicles that they use to transport the patients uh, mm-hmm. is all uh, community funded. So I think it's an absolutely amazing um, yeah. amazing beauty with a purpose that's, that I had this year. That's fantastic. I've never heard of that one before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's brilliant, as I say, you know, allows people to get access to healthcare that they otherwise might not have been able to get to, you know. Mm. And then I'm in between yeah. all of this, uh, studying mm-hmm. to be a doctor and all this, you found time to learn to play the harp and played very well. When did you start? Oh, thanks very much. <laughs> I started the harp when I was around 13 years old, but I always would have had a big interest in music. Mm. So from a very young age, probably four or five, um, I would have started playing fiddle, kind of baron, drums. So right. I'd be a, a big musician. Um, and yeah, I've just loved that I was able to bring that into my Miss Ireland journey as well and able to perform on stage at the harp. It was brilliant. Of course, coming from, from that part of the world, Ennis, and there'd be a huge traditional music tradition in that part of the world as it were do you play a bit of trad or is it classical you do or what do you do so it's mainly trad that I would play yeah um, I do like a bit of a modern twist put into it but yeah it would have been mainly trad um, I would have entered all the Flack Hills so the Flan Ennis and mm. Munster and the All-Ireland so absolutely here in Clare we have a, a big music tradition and I would have played then in Cork as well uh, when I was in Cork uh, I would have also played when I was in college there and yeah. um, I would have taught some drums and you know so I would have been playing around Cork mm. too <laughs> when, when will it be coming you can see you'd have to do the victory lap around Cork now you know so when are you going to come back and visit as soon as I can absolutely I have so many friends left in Cork from going to college there and I love going down to visit um, and I actually worked in Voodoo the, one of the oh, local right. nightclubs in Cork yeah. I did when I went to college so I have a lot of Cork connections so I must make it make a note now come back as soon as possible to visit everybody brilliant brilliant alright yeah. now the, the, the it's a busy busy calendar for the next few months when is the Miss World? Um, so we don't have a, a date for uh, Miss World as of yet, um, but uh, it shall be towards the end of this year. Where is it likely to be on? Yeah. We don't know that yet either. Okay. Um, so I'm, I, yeah, I can't wait to find out where it is going to be on. I'm so excited, you know, to find out where I'll be going and to meet all the other, all the other young women that are chosen from their countries as well, you know. Because you are headed, I think, already. You're going to the Maldives. If you don't mind. I am. I am indeed. Yeah. So that was one of the prizes this year. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. listen, you have a wonderful year as, as Miss Ireland. And no doubt we'll talk a couple of times in the course of it because of your strong Cork connection. Uh, Dr. Ivana McMahon, who is this year's Miss Ireland from Ennis in County Clare, but trained as a doctor in Cork. So we're going to kind of, if the people at Clare wouldn't mind, we're going to kind of half own her for the next 12 months or so. So thanks very much, Ivana, and the best of luck for your year as Miss Ireland. 0818-969696. Hear only the freshest hits of 2022. Or train harder while we pump out the bangers.
The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now. On the Cork's 96 FM app. Download it today. Download it today. Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96FM.ie. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, um, must... <sighs> Where was I going to go? Oh, yes. A couple of things that... A lot of people talking about Louise Brady, um, our MMA gold medalist. She was in Abu Dhabi. Um, people sending in messages for her. Uh, and great to see. And before that, we had young uh, Lauren Crinion, who won a silver in Turkey uh, with the boxing. Our, the, the, the quality of our boxers and fighters coming out of Cork is just phenomenal. And there's a huge, huge amount of support for them out there and great to hear that, that everyone's supporting them and lots of responses as well to the equine therapy from earlier on talking to Julia about her horses and how they work with with young kids uh, on the spectrum remarkable and uh, equine therapy cork if you want to find out any more about that 0818 96 96 96 when I heard that sound when the walls came down I was thinking about you about you where my skin grows old where my breath runs cold I'll be thinking about you about you seconds from my heart I put it from the door helpless I surrender shackled by your love holding me like this poison on your lips only when it's over the silence hits so hard cause it was almost love it was almost love it was almost love, it was almost love When I heard that sound And the walls came down I was thinking about you About you When my skin grows old When my breath runs cold I'll be thinking about you About you When I Love, it was almost we bleed ourselves in vain. How tragic is this game? Turn around, I'm holding on to someone, but the love's gone. Carrying the load with wings that feel like stone, knowing that we nearly fell so far. Now it's hard to tell. Yeah, we came so close, it was almost love It was almost love, it was almost love When I Stuff in your hand 
Rag and Bone Manskin on Cox 96FM 0818-969696 Coming up in just a second, a new television show that you might want to get involved in. But before I go there, a television show that you might want to be really interested in tomorrow night, if you're following the Michael Collins stuff and still more features in your newspapers today about Michael Collins and his death 100 years ago this week. There's a, a programme tomorrow night on RT1 at uh, 25 to 10. It's called Cold Case Collins, and they're looking into his death as a cold case and how it might be investigated today if the assassination had taken place today and not 100 years ago. Among the people taking part are the uh, former state pathologist Dr Cassidy looking at the science of of how he died but something, that's tomorrow night uh, but something else that fascinates me I was listening to a discussion yesterday on it on another radio programme where they were sort of talking to people whose family connections go back to that time and they lived along the the route of the Michael Collins' final journey and one woman made a very interesting point, she said we don't know to this day what happened? Nobody knows who fired the shot. I've read five or six books on the death of my Michael Collins. Nobody actually knows who fired the shot. But what she says was, at this point, nobody really wants to know. I wonder, is that true? Nobody actually wants to know who pulled the trigger that day, 100 years on. It's an interesting take on it. Just thought I'd mention it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Do you live in rural Ireland? Are you out the country? Are you single? Would you like to meet someone? Is it difficult to meet someone? Well, a new television show may be just for you. Celine Dominique Lawless from Kite Entertainment joins me. Celine, tell me about Hi, this new show. <laughs> Morning to you. Dating well, for people in the, the country. Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting show for RTE. And basically what we would love to do is we would love to hear from people in rural Ireland that are single and that are finding it hard to meet people for whatever reasons, whether they work long hours, whether they know everybody in the village and, you know, all their friends are married now. And what we want to do is set them up with three people from cities around Ireland or large rural towns. But those people have to be interested in moving to a rural community if there's a love match. So it's a really nice show that brings city to the country 
and also it highlights the rural communities in Ireland. It's called Country so Love. We, uh, no, we haven't actually released oh. the title yet. Oh, I thought That's that was our the, email exactly. address. I got you. Yeah, okay. no, our so email. Yeah, no, it's all it's all top secret, PJ, at right. the moment. But our e- our email address is countrylove at kiteentertainment.com If anybody is interested in getting in touch with us, or they can phone us on. 087-182-7204. But it's just a lovely show. We organise activities um, between the person that lives in rural Ireland and the daters. And we organise a few dates. So that's how, so they get to know each other doing things. And uh, yeah, it's a lovely show. Right. Now, you're the, people positive. Behind, you'd be the people behind Gogglebox and, and Ireland's Fittest Family and Ireland's Got Talent yep. and, and, and more like that. This is a new venture. Like, where are you going to send them on dates? Well, what we'll do is, so if somebody is from rural Ireland and let's say they're uh, in the farming community and they own a farm, well, you know, the daters will have to come down and they'll have to dig in and give a dig out. And uh, and the person will, will see also how they get on in their community, which is really important as well. So, you know, they could be helping out in the farm. Are you going to get a townie shoveling slurry like? That is literally what we will be doing, yes. <laughs> so it is a bit of crack as well, PJ. There's no doubt about it. So that's what we intend to do. <laughs> this is beginning to sound like an awful lot of fun. So whether you're a farmer or a vet... Or you own a cafe or you work in a cafe or you work in a rural um, area of Ireland, we would absolutely, whether you're a vet or you work with animals or, you know, you're in the equestrian community, you know, whatever you do, if you, you know, work in a pub, we would just love to hear from you. If you're a carer or anything like that from rural Ireland, we would absolutely love to hear from you. And what age would you like them to be? It's 18 plus, PJ, so we are open to everyone from all orientations. Um, that 18 plus, so 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, we've heard from, from everyone. There's been a healthy interest. So, yeah, but we'd love to hear from more people. Right. And you are casting until the end of the month. When do you start filming? When does all that take place? Yeah, probably late autumn, um, kind of into November is right. when the show will probably be filmed. So nice time, especially if it was comes into lambing season <laughs> for the, the city dwellers to, to get stuck <laughs> oh, in. Oh, I see where so. you're going here now. <laughs> so again, some some city slicker could find themselves so, you know, on a damp, uh, cold ha- field looking at some... Absolutely. T- Absolutely sure. That's how people in rural Ireland, you know, if they're farming or, oh you know, God. that's what they do. It's going to sound so, like, it's going to yeah. be like an episode of All Creatures Great and Small. It, it could be. It well could be, PJ. So, you know, but it's a lot of fun. But it also it shows the hard, yeah, hardworking women and men in um, in rural Ireland and what they do and the communities and how supportive those communities are. So, Brilliant. you know, it's a great way, positive okay. way of showing rural Ireland. Okay, so you haven't revealed the name of the show yet, but the email address is countrylove at kiteentertainment.com. Yeah, and or you can phone us on 087-182-7204. All right, Celine, Celine thanks. Celine, Dominique, Lawless of Kite Entertainment. If it's your thing, if it's your thing, you have been told how to take part. It'd be great if we got someone from Cork onto a show like that and then we can follow them through it. 
But this idea that you'd have someone from the country and someone from the city or the town and you'd... Oh, I love that idea. I love it. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Network Ireland Cork Branch is having its first event of the autumn, uh, Wednesday, September 7th. The venue is fantastic for this. They're going to Vertigo, which is, you've never been up there, is the very, 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 very tippy top of Cork County Hall, uh, which is a magnificent location. And they're there to talk finance on the 7th of uh, September. Maria Desmond, good morning. Morning, PJ. So, not only have you got an exciting first event of the season, but it's a magnificent venue, Vertigo, in, in County Hall. But you're talking finance on the night. We are. Um, in Network Cork, we try to have different themes and different topics every month. And uh, members are going to be all excited to meet each other again. And new members, people who were attending as guests. Mm. Um, and it will be a beautiful venue overlooking the river and everything. So mm. we're very grateful for Tim Lucy and Cork County Council for hosting yeah. us there. Why a finance-focused event to start the season? Well, um, to make everybody come to the event because uh, finance is a very important topic at the moment. And um, we have three great speakers, but mainly it's because our members um, are all different types of women in business some are employers, some are employees, and some are solopreneurs. They're all at different ages and stages of life. So some might be trying to balance owning their own business plus uh, saving money to get a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they might have to take the leap to set up their own business and might be investing funds in developing and promoting the business. Um, so then we need to remind them, you know, you need to look ahead as well and think about a pension. Yeah. So um, we've three great speakers on the night. We've Elaine Wilson, um, who's been on the committee here with me in Ever Cork. Um, she's a director with Sure Plan Financial. Sharon Scanlon from Grand Thornton and Sharon Corcoran from Cork County Council. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. Obviously, when you think finance for people in business, you, you think, well, obviously, retirement plans for a person or, or planning for particularly for a self-employed person if you happen to get ill or anything like that. But what other elements are there? Well, under the lens of lifestyle financial planning, um, Elaine Wilson is going to explore how to manage your finances at every age. So it's about managing your finances from, say, your early 20s, um, right up including retirement she's going to give top tips for every stage in life and provide tools to help us make smarter long-term decisions and i guess she would say that with inflationary pressures and increasing costs of living that it's never been more important to plan your finances Mm -hmm. so um it's going to be a common sense approach to financial planning then if you think so that's providing advice for the individual, no matter what type of business or career you have. Then we'll have Sharon Scanlon from Grand Thornton. She'll discuss how improving processes and ways of working within your business can positively result in financial gains. And 
um, how rev- reviewing the strategy and direction of your business will help ensure financial success. Yeah. Sharon Corcoran, who's been a judge for loads of our Network Cork Awards, um, through her work, I guess, in Cork County Council, um, she's focused on promoting economic development throughout the county. So she'll be speaking about the support available for mm. members. And then, of course, our MC is Miriam Burke from Invesco, who has um, 25 years of financial services experience under her belt. Mm-hmm. So between all of that and having Tim Lucy give the welcome address. Yeah, yeah, there's a, um, there's a lot of knowledge in the room. What will Tim in particular be, be speaking about? Well, I suppose I've asked him that we all know about Cork City Council and Cork County Council, but we'd love a little overview of what they do from day to day. Like, they provide services to 400,000 citizens, so that's a big responsibility. And obviously, as a female networking group, we're also curious about the various careers of women within the council, so he said he'd give us examples of both of those. Excellent. Now, while all this is going on, uh, there's a number of VR training for the mini marathon as well. There is. There's tell 18 me, of tell, us. Tell me about that. <laughs> well, um, I've never run a marathon. I'm a chocoholic. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be the fittest person. And, you know, I guess COVID uh, drove us all to make the most of life and grab this now. This the mini marathon will be back. Um, it's going to be a fantastic day out. Obviously, people know that I'm the fundraising manager with Enable Ireland. Yes. So, uh, I guess for our charity partner this year, we chose Enable Ireland um, because I was kind of biased, <laughs> you know. And um, I suppose the people of Cork have been really generous in helping Enable Ireland to build a new centre for children with disabilities. And we have just under 300,000 left to raise. Okay. So... Um, there's 18 people on the team with me. We also have a fellow Network Cork member, Elena Canty, oh, who yes. attended services when she was younger. And um, know Elena. She did, yeah, she did a great piece about why people should support Enable Ireland. And I have two fellow um, members as well, Gillian O'Sullivan, a personal trainer, and Rosaline McKeown from Run With Ross. And they're going to give the team tips as to how to get a bit fitter before we Excellent. approach the big day. Now, we can walk at our jog at there's no pressure. But, when, when is that on, yeah. Maria? It's the 18th of September, okay. 1 o'clock. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, good luck yeah. with that. If people want to go to your event uh, on the 7th, do they have to be members? Um, no, but um, members pay per year. So when the public come then, we have to charge to be fair and we're a non-profit. So it's 25 euros and they go on to networkireland.ie and click on events and they'll find the September 7th event listed there. Excellent. So we love to see people. We have men attending as guests every month for every event. So the more the merrier and um, it is about networking and about learning at the same time. Okay, excellent. Maria Desmond from Network Cork, their event the 7th of September. Uh, thank you. 0818 96 96 96. You might have seen these enormous cranes. I was driving down the harbour on Saturday, and whatever look I gave, there they were, two of them. And there's actually three. They are huge. 
and they're about to depart for the United States. And I'm going to find out more about them because people have been looking at them and there's been people putting up photographs of them. They're the biggest things ever constructed in this country and to be taken abroad from Cork Harbour. I think it's tomorrow that they are leaving for the United States. Constructed by Lieber in Killarney and then moved to Cork to be shipped out from Rushbrook and it's from there. I'm joined by Jerry Bunyan who is the uh, Managing Director of Sales of Lieber. Uh, Jerry, this is an enormous... I drove past the two of them on Saturday and I thought wow, they are huge. Tell me all about them. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, they're uh, impressive, impressive uh, skyline uh, when you when you come to the when you come to the site. Uh, they are three uh, megamax, we call it, uh, large ship to shore cranes, which will be used for unloading container vessels when they get to Maher terminals in um, Port Elizabeth, uh, New Jersey. And uh, the interesting thing about these cranes is they are approximately 2,000 tons weight, self-weight each. Uh, and they are in semi-erect mode at the moment. Mm. So, mm. in other words, um, we've erected the cranes as much as we can. Uh, we have a, a complication when we deliver them to the U.S. because you have the Bayonne Bridge, uh, which we have to navigate under. And Remind us again, a, a, I, I, I know that I have a pal lives in New Jersey, so he's, he's mentioned this. Tell me about that bridge. The bridge is connecting basically um, Bayonne area in New Jersey with Staten Island. Right. And it has, a, it has a clearance under it of about 66 meters. Right. So we, we cannot fully erect the cranes to get under that oh, bridge. How high are they when uh, they're fully because up? Because they look big enough. At, when they're... When, when they're fully up, they're over 93 meters. Uh, and when, when the boom is up, they're over 150 meters height. So we have to uh, um, partly erect them and then finish the erection when we get under the Bayon Bridge and offload them at Maher Terminals and then we My will goodness. winch up the rest of the structure. My goodness. Now, so b- built in... Killarney. The, the, what happens is built the, the, in Killarney. The, the yeah. parts are built in Killarney. You have nearly 900 people working there. Built in Killarney and then moved. Do they come by, 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 by water from Phoenix or do they come up the road? Yeah. How do they get so, to Cork? So we, yeah, so we have, uh, we have approximately 800 employees in Leaper Container Cranes Limited in, in Killarney. And then we make these uh, cranes uh, in large pre-assembled pieces. We put them on trucks, we transport them to Phoenix, put them on a ship, and then we uh, sail around until we get to Cove, offload them here at Doyle's um, shipping uh, group mm-hmm. yard, which is the old Verone dockyard, as you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then uh, we, we arrived here in February, and uh, we finished the job uh, today. Uh, mm-hmm. We expect to sail tomorrow. Right. Uh, in the semi-erect mode. So normally, uh, PJ, we would uh, erect cranes here, fully erect, put them on a ship, and then transport them to wherever they're going. But because of the Bayon Bridge, we have to do a special 
delivery right. on this particular project. Because we, we think, if you've ever been to Belfast and you've looked at those two enormous cranes in, in, the, in the shipyard there, like these things are bigger than that again. Yeah, oh yeah, these are these are huge, huge um, jokes, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you can't just pop these onto the side of or to the deck of any old ship. You have to bring in a special no, vessel. We have a big lift vessel. It's called the Big Lift Baffin, and she has a capacity of sixteen thousand tons. So we're only using six thousand tons at the moment. That's all. That so she's underutilized. You need seriously deep water to get that out to sea, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You normally, uh, yeah. You need, you need typically, you, you need around uh, somewhere between seven and ten meters. Right. And, and how long will it take to get them over there? Then all going well at sea. All going well at sea. She's due to sail tomorrow at four p.m. on the tide, mm. and she should be in the New Jersey area in ten days. Right. And then we have another interesting uh, thing to do. We have to go on board the vessel, anchor the vessel out at the, in the bay, lower the booms using the uh, vessel um, power. Right. And then at low tide, uh, she's a, as I said, she's a, a semi-submersible vessel. So at low tide, we will ballast the ship so that we can get under the bay on bridge. Uh, and we will have probably around 50 to 55 centimetres clearance. Get off the stage. Yeah, yeah. So it's, Hang uh, on a second. It's a big project and a, and a, and a logistical... Uh, That's tight. Uh, yeah, that is tight. Yeah. That's not even but a look, foot and a half. Yeah, yeah, a foot and a half, roughly. That's what we'll, that's what we'll have. You yeah. better hope it's a flat sea. So, I'll have I'll have a few I'll have a few sleepless nights until we we get under that. Are you tra- are you travelling with it, Jerry? <laughs> no, I'm not. No, but we have a team. We have a team uh, specialists. I can only do the talking, PJ. But we, the specialists are actually doing the the work. So um, they're um, the, they're the guys that are uh, are uh, looking after all the logistics and uh, and and all this. So I've heard of this. So Maher, we have a team. Uh, we have a team traveling with the cranes. I've heard of this Maher terminal. Like it's phenomenal. It's an enormous thing. And I think Ireland has supplied an awful lot of its cranes. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, we we've been we've been supplying cranes to Maher terminals since 2013. We supplied eight units already. A uh, little bit smaller than these. These are bigger now, but not much in it. Uh, but this is the first time we've we've had to deliver them fully erect or semi-erect to um, Maher mm. terminals, and it's purely because of space. They're just so busy uh, handling containers; they don't have the space. Okay, so you couldn't just put you couldn't just put the the, the parts, as it were, on a boat, sail over, and erect it there because there just isn't the. The space. They didn't have the space. They're, wow. they're making more money from handling containers. They couldn't give us the space. <laughs> it's extraordinary. And you know, again, I think it's, yeah. Jerry, when you think about it, we don't, I think, fully appreciate the sheer size of an industry that we have in this country with shipping and international trading in all sorts of things. I never knew that we were building these massive cranes. In, in Ireland. Yeah, we we yeah, and and uh, I you you may you may be aware in 2017 we we delivered fully erect uh, three units big cranes to Puerto Rico from here, 
We, we, we uh, erected them here and we, we shipped them out in 2017. We did again in, in 2018 to Hull in the UK. And that was another interesting project. But those cranes are not as big as the ones we, we're looking at here now mm. in, um, in, uh, in, in Cove at the moment, ready to sail. Am I right these in saying these be, are the biggest single objects ever engineered here? These would certainly be, at the moment, the biggest engineering project uh, in Ireland, if not um, uh, ever. Mm. But, and, uh, well, yeah, sorry, that, go on. And Lieber is a family business. That's, I think that's the lovely Lieber bit. Is a, is, a, is a family, it's a privately owned company. We uh, are part of a group uh, of over 140 companies worldwide with four, over 49,000 employees. And in 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 Killarney, we employ about eight hundred people. Yeah, and um, with these total. ones off, heading off to to sea now tomorrow to head to New Jersey. What's the? I mean, are you have you more orders? Have you more? Are they yes, already building we, more? We, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of projects coming up behind. Uh, I'm I'm looking at. Uh, we have we have an order for four cranes for Djibouti, in uh, in in Africa. After that, we have uh, a special project for Wilhelmshaven in Germany. Two huge cranes. They're even bigger than these particular ones. Uh, we have, have also cranes on order for Dublin uh, and uh, a, a crane for Dublin and a crane for Trinidad and Tobago. My goodness. Uh, um, you know, so very, very busy at the moment. So assembled, assembled in, or built in Killarney, assembled in, in the former Rome dockyard, leaving out of Cove, some of these massive structures going to the four corners of the world fascinating Jerry thank you very much and a lot of people I saw as I was driving down the harbour Saturday afternoon just looking just people stopping literally just taking photographs of these enormous structures yes. Yeah, there there are way tomorrow about four. Thanks should, a lot. That should be a good sight. A good sight actually when it takes off tomorrow at around four. It'll go on the tide. Uh, the, the name the name of the vessel is is the it's, what's what's that? It's called the Big Lift Baffin. And take a drive down. If you drive down sort of down towards um, Raffine Creek and then down into that part of the world, you see them across the water. They're huge. They're just huge. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six. Ninety-six. I'm, I'm blown away by this. Yesterday we were talking to Lauren, who won a silver medal in the boxing in Turkey. Today I was talking to Louise, who won a gold medal in the MMA in Abu Dhabi. And I've just been told that I should be mentioning also the Farron Ree Taekwondo Club, who also brought back medals from a world championship recently. Crikey, talk about the fighting Irish, or rather, the fighting Cork. KCN Ross in the morning. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. On Cork's 96 FM. How did you get stung at the end of a relationship? When we were about 20, a mate of mine was madly in love with this one. She did the dirt in him. He found out. So they went <laughs> They went for a cycle. They stopped at a shop and she went in and he stayed out to mind the bikes. She had a quick release saddle. He wrapped the saddle and tore off. <laughs> 
Are you serious? <laughs> she was ringing up for hours. He never answered the phone again. <laughs> that it. is so amazingly petty. Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. Seriously, we can't blink now, but someone from the north side of Cork City is winning a medal for some kind of fighting somewhere in the world. It's a great reputation we're getting. <laughs> I'm only messing, and I mean it in a nice way. Stop. The programme edited by Fiona Corker and produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So, if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering. Now seeking foster carers for short and long-term Emergency and respite fostering in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.